0: Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy, God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity, and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I'm very excited to have Michael Rubino back with us. Michael Rubino is an air quality expert who helps bridge the gap between the air in our homes and its direct impact on our health. And he is the founder of Change the Air Foundation. Rubino works for over 100 doctors globally to not only raise awareness, but also provide solutions to correctly identify and remove the pollutants causing this global health crisis. As president of Home Cleanse, Rubino specializes in working with people who are immunocompromised or have acute and sustained reactions to mold exposure, and he has helped heal over 1,000 families, including celebrities and athletes. He's also a a council certified mold remediation supervisor and a contributing member, sponsor and speaker for the Indoor Air Quality Association. He's the author of The Mold Medic and a contributor to Mind Body Green. He's been featured on Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, The Goop Podcast and The Goop's website, Brandy Glanville's unfiltered podcast, Luke Story, Forbes, USA Today, and Bloom TV, to name a few. He hosts the YouTube series Mold Talks, where guests include medical experts as well as mold recovery patients, including media icon Atuza Rubenstein. Welcome, Michael. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about building materials. First of all, why is this such a prevalent issue? Why are so many buildings contaminated with mold especially you know the older ones but also it seems like the newer ones too what's what's going on
2: you know it's really just the way we build our homes um, it's pretty problematic it, and it's a global crisis it's not just here in the US but uh, particularly here in the. US um, we either use cementous products um, like stucco and, and things like that we also use a lot of stick frame and drywall. Um, And I think drywall really creates that situation where it becomes one of the bigger problems uh, because it is porous, because it can hold moisture um, and it can allow mold to grow and mold can grow in as quickly as 24 to 48 hours. We also have bacteria component, right? Leaks typically uh, come from the outside. Um, They can bring bacteria with them. And when that happens, now we have mold and bacteria. So it's it's kind of this perfect storm that we don't want to have inside of our homes, especially when homes are built. And uh, for those listening, a lot of people say uh, when they have mold in their homes and when it's too costly to fix, you know, maybe I should just build a new home. And unfortunately, we've seen a pretty big trend of mold in new construction homes as well. And so there's a lot to be said with how we're building homes, how we're maintaining homes, how we're restoring homes that kind of allows this, this problem to perpetuate.
1: Right. So what's, from the building standpoint, what's the solution, either building new homes or renovating new homes? What are some of the things for people to be aware of?
2: Okay. So when you're building a new home, there's, uh, there's what's called the Structural Buildings Components Association. They issue guidelines, essentially, of how to store products when you're building a home, how to build homes correctly, uh, You know, a lot of different guidance on that. And one of the things that I notice, um, not only in my own backyard, but uh, from dealing with other clients all over the country as well, um, builders are improperly storing materials before they're building the home. So for as an example, framing when it's delivered to a work site, it's supposed to be elevated on a platform, it's mm-hmm. supposed to be wrapped in plastic, and both ends are supposed to be left open for ventilation. Wow. And as you drive through America right now, and you're looking at new construction homes, a lot of these a lot of the lumber is just sitting in the soil, which has a lot of mold and bacteria, by the way. Yeah. Um, and it's not elevated off of the soil. It's not wrapped in plastic. and And it's and, and even if it is, they're not allowing it to ventilate. So there's a lot of mistakes that happen. Um, when lumber sits in the soil, it's going to rain, right. And you're going to transfer mold and bacteria from the soil and onto the lumber. That's Mm -hmm. typically what you see. You start to see mold all over the lumber. Um, a lot of these builders are uneducated on that process. Um, it it allows them to believe, um, something like, Oh, that's just lumber yard mold or, Oh, that's, you know, that's just part of the process. Um, you know, there's, there's really no such thing as lumber yard mold mold is mold. There's a hundred thousand different species. So we want to be a little more careful when we're building new homes. Um, uh, and of course, when we're maintaining and restoring them too, you know, if you're, if you are, if you do have water damage and you are making repairs, you want to make them correctly so that you don't leave behind, uh, mold and bacteria.
1: Right, right, right. So yeah, that's interesting, because I'd always kind of thought with the building of a new home, you'd be most likely vulnerable if the guts were exposed during a big monsoon or a big rainstorm or something. But you're saying that even if it's just sitting in the soil, you're still potentially vulnerable.
2: Absolutely. Because you're going to have a moisture content that that's in the soil, um, especially when it rains. So, you know, that moisture can transfer to the lumber and you got to think about it also the way the lumber is stacked, right? Mm -hmm. It's stacked on top of the soil. So there's trap moisture between the soil and the lumber. Mm -hmm. Um, You get any sort of moisture transference that transfers through the two by fours. You're going to have where those two by fours are touching together you're going to have trap moisture in between them too. So it really creates a, a situation where it's very easy for mold to grow because if moisture is trapped, uh, it, it's going to stay wet longer uh, and it only takes 24 to 48 hours for mold to start to grow. So it kind of puts us into this situation where, you know, we have to be more diligent about it. Mm-hmm.
1: So if somebody suspects that their home or their workplace or their school or something has a mold problem, what do we do to screen for it? How do we make sure that the people are who are doing the testing know what they're doing? What kind of questions should we be asking?
2: Well, that is a great question, right? Because uh, in my industry, it's kind of a little bit like Mean Girls, where everybody has their own way of doing things, and if it's not their way, you know, you're you're wrong. Um, and so we have a lot of people that are in this industry that have been doing it for you know twenty, thirty years that are just so used to air testing, and it's like anything outside of air testing. They just want nothing to do with it. Um, And that creates a lot of problems because air testing only tests a very small circumference of air. Um, You're not really getting a full picture, even a 10 by 10 room. If you really wanted enough data to be able to compare to, you'd probably want to take 10 air samples in there, different, different spaces inside the room to get a full accurate picture. Because uh, a colleague of mine just did a study that they took an air test just three feet away from a source, a visible source, Mm -hmm. and it showed nothing. And they went two feet away. They started to show it a foot away and it was off the charts, right? So, you know, it kind of goes to show how limited air testing can be. Um, I have a product called the Dust Test that's coming out. Hopefully by the time this airs, it'll already be out. Uh, you go over the dusttest.com. It's a screening tool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like when you go to a doctor and you say, I have some things wrong. The doctor is going to screen you right? Mm -hmm. They're going to try to look for different biomarkers that are creating some sort of uh, situation where they can understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to do that with the home, you know, and air testing is not screening. Mm -hmm. Air testing is very targeted. You have to use it in a targeted fashion to really understand. It'd be like, you know, just checking for vitamin D, right? You're you're just checking for one thing. It's very targeted. Mm -hmm. The screen is actually meant to analyze your dust, Mm -hmm. And, and why you want to do that is because when you have sources inside your home, they're constantly producing particles. Mm -hmm. These particles aerosolize, they settle in the, uh, in the same locations that your dust settles in. So Mm -hmm. floors, horizontal surfaces, a little bit on the walls too, but by collecting that dust and utilizing PCR technology, you're actually able to see the DNA of what is actually there. Mm -hmm. It is foolproof. Because you'll, you'll, for, lo- for the first time, understand what am I being exposed to mm-hmm. now, of course, with any technology, there's limitations, right? So what's the limitation on this? It's not going to tell you where it's coming from. Right. So, but this is the first step. Let's figure out what's, what's there. Then let's figure out where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And the mold industry has led people down this path for so long where, you did air testing, right? And you tried to see if there was any abnormalities in the air. Well, it's an incorrect screening technology. Mm-hmm. Air testing is better used when you're trying to figure out where those sources are coming from. Mm-hmm. And As- so once, once you know the species and the abnormalities, how much is there, then you do air testing to figure out where is that ketomium coming from? Where is that aspergillus coming from? And now you'll actually be able to fix your home without this uh, fear of you know, not being able to remediate your home.
1: Right. Okay. So, so doing air testing is almost like playing hot cold. (laughs) Like as you get closer, it'll get more and more of it. Exactly. Gotcha. And so the dust test that you're referring to, how's that different from an ERMI or is that basically the same thing?
2: It uses similar technology. So the ERMI stands for the environmental uh, mold index, the relative mold index. And um, the reason why We actually want to move away from ERMI and I'm going to explain why really quickly. The reason why we want to move away from ERMI is because all it is, is a calculation and an algorithm of the sum of logs in group one subtracted from the sum of logs in group two. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is, is that if you have more outdoor molds and indoor molds, it's going to make it look like your house is perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, we actually want to, we actually don't want to look at the score. We want to look at the data, Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is this 10 times higher than, than what an average home should have? Is this a hundred times higher or a thousand times higher? Is there, we're looking, we want to look and be able to see the DNA of what's there, how many spores or fragments per milligram of dust there is, mm-hmm. because that can kind of give us a clue as to, ah, is this just a little bit of mold that's normal because it's part of our ecosystem? Or is there blaringly obvious sources that are producing this much particulate that's getting into the body and causing some sort of adverse health reaction? And by looking at the data and stop looking at the score, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can actually do something with that. Gotcha.
1: Okay. So once you get a positive dust test, um, then when you're starting to do the air samples, where should you focus your attention? Where do you where do you where the what are the likely culprits?
2: Well, you know, the, the main culprits typically are always in a home is. Any subgrade spaces like a basement or crawl space, you know, those are always my go to. They, they usually are damp environments that create a lot of problems. So that's a great place to, to start to look. Attics can be another one. You have roof leaks, you have uh, poor ventilation. Um, If you have a spray phone home and you don't have a dehumidifier up there, then the the humidity inside your home has nowhere to go Could create a mold problem up there. You also want to pay attention to where your HVAC systems are located. Sometimes they're located in the attic. Sometimes they're located in the basement. And when you have a contaminated attic or basement with HVAC system, it's getting into the AC system. It's circulating around the home. And once that happens, now your HVAC system will be contaminated and will it need to be cleaned at the very least. So, you know, you kind of want to look at those areas, of course, kitchens, bathrooms, you know, any, any potential where water can, can leak or intrude. Uh, mm-hmm. Around doors and windows is another typical thing that we see, you know, windows leak. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not a, a abundantly obvious. Mm -hmm. And you need to kind of look for signs outside the home. But, you know, these are, these are some of the hot spots that typically happen. Of course, laundry rooms can be another one. Um, wherever your hot water heater might be, there can be leaks there. So you're, you're looking where you're, the questions you're asking is where's, where's, where's a damp environment and Mm -hmm. where are all the plumbing fixtures located? Because anytime there's a plumbing fixture, there always is some, some variability of potential leaks.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, And so once you're at the stage of you found the location, you found there is mold, you found where it is, and then you've got a remediation company coming in, how do you make sure that they're doing what they need to do? What are the questions that you need to ask to make sure that they're doing what they should and all of that?
2: Well, that's another great question. You know, I think once you have the report, you know, step one is finding somebody who is going to, who A, knows how to read that report and make sure that they're going to be able to uh, address what is found in that report. Um, And B, I think you need to figure out what sort of guarantees they have. Yeah, I can't tell you how many contracts that I've read um, for clients that have said, you know, what does this mean? Right. And when you read the, the terms of the contract, it basically means that they guarantee nothing that you're just paying for labor and materials. Right. And if it doesn't pass, uh, you have to pay them again to try again. Mm. And the key word is try right. Anyone who's not willing to guarantee that means that all they're doing is trying. They don't actually know how to resolve it. And so that, that's really part of the problem. You want to make sure that if somebody's touching your home, they're going to guarantee something.
1: Right, for sure, yeah. And so, what about people who are in a position where they can't remediate? Either they don't own the home, or it's an apartment, or they're it's a workplace, and they're not, you know, their their boss isn't willing, or the HR department isn't willing. What would they? What do you recommend people do just to improve quality of airflow as much as possible?
2: Yeah, there's there's uh, basically three strategies here. You have um, dehumidification right that that'll help you control the climate if you're you know in a workplace and you notice that the humidity uh is a little higher than it should be maybe it feels sticky or or damp um a dehumidifier would definitely help with that Um, you take away the sign of moisture molds, ability to reproduce is going to be, uh, hindered a bit. It won't completely eliminate, but it's definitely going to make the air quality a little better in terms of the the ability for mold or bacteria to produce particles. Um, the second thing you'd want to do is air, air purification, you know, uh, remove particles are being put in the air. We want to remove those from the air so that they're not opportunistically getting inside the body. Um, another strategy is cleaning. Right. So we talked about how these particles aerosolize, they settle where our dust settles. Well, when we have an abundance of dust, we're going to have an abundance of particles. Okay. And so the mo- less opportunity you have for dust and particulate to enter your body, the better off you're going to be. So cleaning is important and how to clean, I think, is also pretty important. Mm-hmm. You know, staying away from brooms that are, that are going to sweep stuff up into the air, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing more of a wet wiping process you know, like spraying down the floor and then mopping it, spraying down your furniture and then wiping it. Uh, this is going to be much more successful to suppress that dust and particulate from re aerosolizing.
1: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That makes sense. And so if somebody has a disaster a water disaster, there was a big storm or they have a big leak or something, what are the, what do you recommend people do right away to try to prevent mold from becoming an issue? Really?
2: So the key is the there's there's two keys. Um, first off, you have a flood or disaster. Uh, the first thing that you want to do is you want to remove the wet building materials. Mm-hmm. That's step one because and, and obviously this depends on how long ago the leak was, right? Because we talked about mold grows in 24 to 48 hours. If you catch it early on enough and it's before 24 hours, open up all those those wet building materials. Remove the drywall, remove the insulation uh, because even if you bring in dehumidifiers the industry standard is it takes three to five days using fans and dehumidifiers mm-hmm. to appropriately dry a space. That's, that's the average, could be more, right? So what we want to do is we don't want to let things, things stay wet for three to five days. It's already become a mold and bacteria problem by that point. Mm-hmm. So you want to remove all the building materials, mm-hmm. then then bring in dehumidifiers and dry out the space. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really key. If it's been more than 24 hours, don't risk it. You know, follow, follow uh, microbial protocols, meaning set up containment, set up engineering controls, remove it just as you would if you had mold, Mm -hmm. because it's very likely that you do at that point.
1: Gotcha. Okay. And you referenced air filters. What are some of your favorites? What are the things to look for, for a good air filter?
2: So the, the best thing to look for in an air filter is how small of a particle can it remove? Mm-hmm. Okay. i try to I try to stay away from any jargon that says we kill everything and we destroy everything because you know from that perspective there's so many unknowns there right? Like, especially a spore, right? A spore is not actually alive. It's not alive until it's met with water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, wa- that water gives it the ability to grow into an organism, kind of like how a seed becomes a plant, right? A plant is alive, a seed is not. Right. So, uh, you know, anything that's designed to kill things would be like if you went out into your backyard and just tried to kill all these seeds, you would look a little ridiculous. Well, mm-hmm. that's the way I look at all of these companies producing products to try to kill stuff, right? It just doesn't make sense. Um, we want to just remove right? And how do you remove, you just trap it in the filter, when the filter is uh, no longer working at its efficiency, you discard the filter, you put in a new one, all those particles that are now trapped in that filter have just been removed, right? We want to remove particles. So the smaller the particle can remove, the better. And that's the key to any air purifier. Um, you know, there's a, a couple of companies that, I, that I'd that like in the ability to remove a small particle, Intellipure being one. Um, Intellipure has an amazing product that goes into your HVAC system to stop these particles from getting to your HVAC, which will stop it from becoming contaminated, which is highly effective. Um, uh, I'm also interested in in molecules technology at the moment. Um, I'm still kind of working with them and testing their products. But an an independent study shows that the PICO filter is able to remove a particle as small as 0.1 nanometers, which would be uh, revolutionary uh, in that sense. And so, you know, there's newer technologies that come out every single day. It's, it's an exciting time for people becoming more aware of how important our health is. And so I think f- for anyone listening who's looking to find the best air purifier, see what's in your budget, right? Because budget's important. Um, and see what what within your budget can remove as small of a particle as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. So Intellipure, and then what was the other? Company? Molecule. Molecule, okay. Um, so if somebody, after they've done the mold remediation and they've, uh, they've, they've gotten rid of the mold exposure, they've done the binders to get rid of any lingering mycotoxins and all of that kind of stuff, somebody still struggles with hypersensitivity. What do you recommend that they do for the next step at that point?
2: If somebody is still struggling with hypersensitivity after they've had remediation, uh, it means one of two things. Either there's still a source somewhere producing particles that was not identified. And this happens, right? There, there's... Especially if you have a larger home, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, cavities, interstitial spaces. Um, nobody has X-ray vision, so yeah, it's kind of that that process. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing it could be is that there are still particles in their environment that they're reacting to, mm-hmm. and what that means is that maybe the, the remediation company came in and removed sources, mm-hmm. but they didn't address. The HVAC system, they didn't address what is already in their dust created by those sources. Uh, They didn't address maybe cleaning some of their contents, right? And so with that being said, if that's not part of the overall plan, you're likely to still react, even though they did some work. Um, So you really want to make sure that you're looking at both things. Again, back to that screening tool, screening is the best way to do this. Um, you collect dust, you analyze that dust, you're looking for different uh, species and hyphal fragments um, mm-hmm. of what's there. Mm-hmm. And if your ERMI, as an example, um, that technology, that that the numbers showing of how much is there per milligram of dust, if that's still high, uh, mm-hmm. then obviously there's uh, still a problem there. Either it needs to be cleaned or there could be a source. So That's where screening comes back into play towards the end of things Mm -hmm. to just make sure that the cleaning was done right. And that there's no other sources still producing particles. Okay.
1: So is there anything that I have not asked you that you want to make sure you leave with our audience?
2: Um, You know, there's always a a plethora of topics to discuss around this, uh, you know, and it's impossible to cover everything. I think you've covered uh, really all the basics for somebody on this journey. Um, You know, I'd love to just make a comment for those who maybe have um, family members who don't understand what they're going through. Um, you know, and, and and are having a hard time connecting uh, with those to explain the process. You know, you have to remember we take over twenty thousand breaths per day, mm-hmm. and you know if if we, the greatest route of exposure is through inhalation. We learn that with COVID. We learn that with pretty much through every through studying every disease on this planet. Uh, and when we when we understand that, you know, inhaling particles of mold and bacteria, that's a very real thing. And it's, it's easy for us, um, especially if you're not studying this on a daily basis, it's easy to just think that, eh, I don't see, I don't see the connection there. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is there are most of the things in our life that really make us sick are too small for us to even see. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have the biggest problem connecting the dots. Uh, we learned through COVID, there is something that was uh, four to seven nanometers in size mm-hmm. that was invisible to the eye that can make us sick. And so when we look at all of this stuff and we put it together, uh, it makes a lot of sense why people are, are, are affected by it. Um, I also know that people struggle understanding why one person, you know, may be adversely affected and the other person doesn't really seem to be bothered as much. And obviously there's a lot of variables there, but going back to COVID as an example, because it's so relatable, I may have lost my sense of taste and smell. Someone else may have just had flu-like symptoms, but have their taste and smell. And Mm -hmm. so we have to remember that every single individual and every single person is different. Uh, We're all going to have different reactions to different contaminants in our environment. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to just deny somebody, um, you know, what's happening because it's not happening to us. Mm -hmm. And I, I encourage people to listen to their loved ones when they are going through this, uh, and really try to understand, even though it can be difficult, you know, try your best to understand um, and do your homework.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So where can people go who want to find out more about you?
2: Well, you can go to themoldmedic.com. If you'd like to learn more about me as a person, the book uh, that I wrote about the subject and everything in between a lot of the uh, stuff that I'm doing as a person, you can go to changetheairfoundation.org. If you're looking to uh, know more about the nonprofit that I had started Uh, We have a a wonderful team of people and we're really looking to change, uh, change, change things and how things work in America, the way we build our homes, the way we regulate mold and bacteria in our homes, water damage, etc, and really create that information so people get the right information and don't make mistakes. Uh, and then if you need our need of, of service, we have a company, it is a for-profit company called Home Cleanse, and it, it does uh, remediation all over the country. Uh, we are accepting uh, applicants for other countries as well in terms of working with clients overseas. And we also um, are producing our first product, the the home the dust test that I mentioned earlier, uh, to, to connect people with the evidence they need to see if there is a problem in the first place. Um, and we have some other really cool things coming out in the near future.
1: Fantastic. Well, I will link to all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much, Michael, for all your time and wisdom. Really appreciate it.
2: Yes. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Are you looking for a holistically minded healthcare practitioner
2: who truly treats root cause rather than
1: symptom suppression?
0: At Dr. Lauren Deville. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app, or go to joshuafund.com to listen and subscribe.